like what's the worst that could happen people yes. ignore you but what's the best they actually say yes yeah. when you try right so that is kind of how that audaciousness came since then i've just realized you know what i have my own unique voice i have my own way of telling stories and i need to stick with that i'm not going to be for everyone but the people that connect and relate will find me Welcome back to Deciphered, a series of conversations with global Black creatives who are reimagining and redefining narratives about Black or African diaspora cultures and who are leaning into their roots to create new spaces for all of us. I'm your host, Christabel Incia Bwadi. On today's show, you're going to hear my conversation with Lola Akimade Okastrom. She's an award-winning storyteller, TEDx speaker and photographer, and she's based in Sweden. She's drawn to the complexities and nuances of culture and how they manifest themselves within relationships. And you can see that in the projects that she's worked on, from her award-winning photography, which has appeared in National Geographic, The Travel Channel, and CNN to name just three. You can also see in her work through the global marketplace that she co-founded called The Local Purse. And you can also see that cultural nuance in Lola's books, Lagom, The Swedish Secret of Living Well, and her debut novel called In Every Mirror, She's Black, which was released in 2021. The book has received rave reviews from publications like New York Magazine's Vulture and The Independent. And the book is the reason why I wanted to get Lola on the show today. Her depictions of these three black protagonists, whose names I will not give away because I want you to read the book. They are very, very different women who navigate life in Sweden and all with different results. The book is, it's funny, it's sexy and it's haunting and it's so very, very well observed. So rather than me going on and on about it, let's uh, have you listen to our conversation. It's one that I really, really enjoyed. Lola, welcome to Deciphered and thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much. The honor is mine. Excited oh. to be here. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I want to dive straight into the book. As I said, this is the main reason why I wanted to have you on the show today. The book, In Every Mirror, She's Black. And there are so many layers, even to the title. So let's start there. Why did you choose the title? That's actually not the original title of the book. So oh. the original title of the book was called Afro Swede. And oh. Afro with the Swedish umlauts on the Afro and mm -hmm. then on the Swede, the African intonations on the Swede. So I kind of created a really cool uh, word. Mm -hmm. But when we got it to the publisher and they were testing it with their focus groups, people didn't understand what it meant. The way I had kind of written that word, they thought, is it a book of poems? Is it a book? What, what is it? And it's a publisher that's known for really testing titles. So we went back and started thinking of, okay, what's a title that will better capture you know, the stories, because that title I had didn't really fully do kind of the women and their stories and their individuality, the justice it needed. And so that that uh, new title in Every Mirror She's Black kind of came up, you know, through that brainstorming process, you know, at the publisher. And that was the title that won. But it made sense immediately 
when we came up with that, it's like, yes, of course, mm. you know. Why did it make sense to you, though? Because it's a super powerful title. It, it is because, first of all, with the three women, that's the first thing the world sees beyond getting to even know them. You know, the first thing they see is you're a black woman. And as a black woman, when you go into any space, the first thing that meets you is the stereotypes the world has created on your behalf. And then as the person begins to interact with you, they then deduct from those stereotypes, right? So that's what happened. They see you, you're a black woman. These are all the stereotypes. And then the more they get to know you, they're like, hmm, she's not this stereotype. Let me deduct this. Let me remove this. That shouldn't be how it is. That shouldn't be how we move through the world as, as black women, but that is what the world has done. So that is just one thread of the title. Another way of looking at the title is no matter what the women do, looking in the mirror, unless they fully accept who they are, because that's what they are. They just need to fully accept that and be comfortable in their skin fully. So one, it's the way the world sees them and two, the other way they see themselves. But it's just a multi-layered uh, title that you know resonates in different ways. Oh man, it sure does. And I remember the way that you have summed it up is exactly how I saw it. And I was just like, oh, I picked <laughs> the book up. But by the time you finished the book, there is a sadness for me to that title. There's yeah. a heaviness to that. And I don't want to give too much away because if you haven't read the book, listener, get the book. I'm telling you it's a good read. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it to, to plug it. I was captivated. By the end of the book, I was looking at that title and feeling the weight mm. of it. But the weight almost feels like the wrong word because the characters and the experience of blackness is full circle. Like it's full. It's not just the heaviness. The heaviness yes. comes from the stereotypes that we that are imposed upon us, right? Yes. It was the heaviness that these women in their own way weren't living by. And we're mm. trying to escape. No, thank you. And, and you know what? Uh, the book was also inspired when I was writing my the book before this, I came across a Swedish proverb that says the deepest well can also be drained. <sighs> and when I came across that proverb, it arrested me immediately. The deepest well can also be drained. Because think about some of the deepest wells in society, black women, what we have to go through every single day working twice as hard while still being seen as strong, not having any chance to complain, not being able to show our emotions without being stereotyped, being angry. So I wanted to kind of address that proverb, you know, within the black experience, because all three women are very strong. You know, they have a good sense of self, but they also need to be taken care of emotionally. We are not, we're kind of tired of being strong, right? We need to be taken care of emotionally, mentally, because we can break too. And so that was why I think a lot of black women also kind of saw themselves in these women, even though these women are very individual, right? And that was also by choice. I wanted these women to be so different that if Kemi makes a mistake, you don't say, well, that's what Britney will do because she's black. Or if Muna makes a mistake, then you say, well, that's what Britney will do because she's also black. I wanted to make them very full individuals. So we can also show that, you know, being a black woman is not a monolithic experience, even though we share some of the same emotions as well. 
because I was reading this and I was, you know, doing my research on you. I was wondering what parts of you are in each of these women? Because exactly. I know there had to be. <laughs> yeah. So I always said that all of the women are me, but none of the women are me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where is, for example, most people assume I'm Kemi or the Kemi character is based on my life because I'm Nigerian American and <laughs> I moved, you know, and I'm kind of a career woman. But that is just me being lazy, right? So that's me <laughs> looking. So that's me saying, hmm, I could make a Nigerian-American because it's very easy to voter. I can bring Yoruba language in, you know, how can I describe her? I can look at myself, use that as an example. But in terms of values, in terms of what we want, we're actually very different people. The closest character to me as a person is actually Muna. Because when I moved from Nigeria to the U.S., even though I didn't, you know, go through kind of the refugee experience, I it's a lot of the loneliness and the isolation and kind of the identity moving from Nigeria to the U.S. as a teenager, trying mm. to move into a place where I already had my own identity, but the place that I was trying to box me in, trying to be seen for who I already was. So a lot of those, I was able to tap into my own experience in terms of the feelings, even though it's nowhere, nowhere near what somebody like Mona would have had to endure, losing her family along the way. So Mona was the character kind of closest to my art. And then Britney was actually the character that was the most difficult for me to create because Britney and I, as a person, as an author, have very different values in terms of what we want in life. But Britney is also valid. Our issues are valid. Our wants are valid. And you have to look at it. She's tired of struggling. She wants to be taken care of. You know, she wants to breathe. She wants kind of that ultimate privilege around her shoulders. So all of the women, in a sense, you know, Many experiences I might have experienced, many of them I've observed, many of them are just kind of drawn from the black, kind of collective black experience. But yeah, none of them is, you can say, oh, this is Lola's life, you know, that it's not memoir, it's not, you know, based on my life, but of course inspired by lots of different things. How easy was it for you to find a publisher for the book? It was difficult. I mean, you may not know this, but the Manuscript for this book was rejected over 70 times, seven zero. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in fact, what were the reasons? Of, yeah, a friend of mine was joking. She didn't know there were that many publishers in business. I mean, <laughs> that was how many times it was rejected. You know, a lot of the rejections actually came with high praise, which was very interesting, right? Why are they rejecting this with high praise? And so one of the reasons was, first of all, they kept saying, well, the literary imprint said it was too commercial for them. The commercial imprint said it was too literary for them. But most of them is because I centered three black women on a mainstream kind of level. One of them, Ijabi, you know, in a country like Sweden, that's just revered. And so most of them said, well, they didn't feel like their audiences, which are primarily, you know, kind of white women would connect mm-hmm. with these black women. And I kept saying that, but those audiences connect with vampires, they connect with aliens, they connect with werewolves. Why can't they not connect with me as a black woman? It's very difficult, you know, to hear that kind of thing. So they didn't have the vision for publication because they felt like their audiences would not see themselves reflected in these women. 
to over because 70 rejections. Count. Yeah, because exactly. Black women don't count. Because we don't count. Because we. So it, so it was very. So it was a rough journey. But since then, we have we already have four publishers. You know, TV interests. So there's a lot going on. anyone who's listening if you don't know about Lola she's also a photographer which is how I came actually you do all the things you do all the things you are if, if I may lead into that stereotype you're an overachiever <laughs> I know I, I try to stay busy <laughs> we always say Nigerians were born hustling from the from the womb I don't know what it is you this one we, we, we stay busy <laughs> you stay busy you have a travel blog that's how I discovered you and you take beautiful pictures and your work has been in publications from all over the world right yes but in that sense you're not a typical Nigerian girl whatever (laughs) a typical Nigerian girl is that's a big caveat because yeah I know right and I don't want to lean into that stereotype but at the same time it's like you were a programmer again doing all the things yes but that's not what you do anymore. You are now feeling the world. You are interacting with the world through your creativity. Yes. The very thing that, quite frankly, scares a lot of people, especially children of immigrants, immigrants, because that's not something that we're able to do. So yes. what was the moment at which you said, ah, I need to do this? And how easy or hard was it for you? And no, I'm looking at Lola like, girl, can I give you a hug? <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, kind of growing up in Nigeria, I've always felt like the odd bird, you know, like someone that's always just doing her own thing, right? I've always, even and a lot of my friends from high school will vouch, you know, like, Lola, you are just different. And when they meant that was that I just had this kind of yearning to see the world, but not just see the world, try and understand the world in a way, you know, try to uh, kind of get beneath different cultures, you know, try to understand, kind of see where the bridges of similarities lie, why we are different and why we need to be different, you know. So I've always been fascinated by that. And then the reason I kind of went into IT was, you know, what your parents who are willing to pay for return on investment, you know, <laughs> that's, you know, you know that. And so, uh, so I did that and I really was good in that. I did a uh, geographic information systems for many years, but mm-hmm. I think the turning point for me came in 2002. I'm dating myself. So not 2012, 2002, a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> when I was volunteering uh, with an expedition race in Fiji. And it was at that moment I realized I have to share my view of the world through my lens as an African Mm. storyteller in this way, right? I mean, everybody always touts National Geographic as kind of the inspirational. I'm like, why can't I not be in it, right? And so I've always had this audacious, yes, I know, many years later, yes, (laughs) history, you know, but I've always had that audacious spirit about me. Like, what's Mm. the worst that could happen? People Mm. ignore you, but what's the best you, they actually say yes mm. when you try, right? So that is kind of how that audaciousness came, you know. And then, and since then, I've just realized, you know what? I have my own unique voice. I have my own way of telling stories, and I need to stick with that. I'm not going to be for everyone, but the people that 
connect and relate will find you. That's a very scary thing for a creator to lean into that, right? And to trust that voice and to put it out there. What was the thing that pushed you and forced you? Because it's what we understand on one hand, it's, you know, like you were this curious person, but what made you take the leap? You literally must have, must have been a moment where you're just like, ah, or maybe you, like, how did it happen? Yes. So, so I kind of took, I did like a gradual you know, leap. So it wasn't like a swan dive into, <laughs> into nothingness. <laughs> you know, in fact, when I, when I said I wanted to kind of lean more into photography, my mom is like, remind them you have degrees. Oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, so you, so you understand the, uh, that, <laughs> you exactly. Know. But I mean, now she's my biggest fan, you know, but of course. so, but it was about kind of, for me, I did like a slower transition. Right. So at that time, I came back. I started freelancing on the side while I still kept my programming job. So I built mm. enough of a portfolio where I felt that, okay, now I can kind of jump full-time into being more creative writing. And so even when I did that jump at that time, it was like a 60% income cut immediately, Oof. you know? And then, I and mean, we gratefully... All know yeah, and that's that, back that's then, you know? scary. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, gratefully, you know, that's been recouped, you know, over the years and, and more. But at that time, it was super scary, you know. Mm. But I knew that, you know, I, so I have to share this anecdote. It's from one of the, uh, I think the first black woman to ever go to both the North and South Poles in her 70s, Barbara mm. Hillary. She's dead now. And when I was interviewing Barbara for an interview, she said, Lola, that life is too short for you to have a heart attack in your cube and the last face you see is that co-worker you did not like and when she said that and she's somebody that just talks she's very she's unfiltered that way when she when she talks you know i saw rest in peace but when she said it that way it made sense in terms of like life being short and not doing what you're meant to do you know I feel like everybody everybody doesn't have to travel or be this creative, but at least everybody has to show up fully in their lives with the talents they've been given. It also reminds me of that Bible parable about the talents, right? Where some people hide their talents and some people double their talents. So you've been given those talents, those gifts, you need to show up fully. She was yeah. one of my inspirations. Mm. Now, <laughs> you, I told you I was going to get to this. You live in Sweden which is a country that is not necessarily known for having very many uh, black folk, shall we say. It probably has more black folk than most of us know. In fact, I suspect it does. What was that like? (laughs) No, absolutely. I mean, mean, for me, getting beneath a culture is trying to understand how the culture and those stress. And so I was able to kind of, you know, deeply get it. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Getting to know a culture is, is what? For me, how a culture handles stress, exactly. Because there's a Mm. lot that a culture can tell you based on how it collectively handles stress. And when you think about the sources of stress in our lives, they they tend to be physiological things. So, you you know, am I getting enough food, water, shelter? Am I getting healthcare? Just those basic things to create safety and security. So when I think of, like, for example, Nigeria, we know that those sources of stress are never going to go away. So we mm-hmm. live vibrantly, like 
<laughs> like, you know, like there's no tomorrow. It's yes. just a bit more kind of a vibrant culture, right? And when I think of the U.S., um, it's a culture where we're never going to agree on how we're going to handle stress. So let's just camouflage the, the stress, figure oh out ways God. to keep it at bay. And, and that's what creates kind of very creative people. We're creating creative ways to just keep stress at, at bay while we keep moving in life, right? And then when you think of the Nordics, it's a, it's a, the culture collectively is one where for us to fully function, we have to keep stress as, at bay. So we have to make sure that our basic needs, if it's, um, you know, uh, work-life balance, if it's healthcare, just our basic needs are met so that we can actually function. So a lot of societies operate differently. And so for me, those, that's the way I kind of observe different cultures, right? And so, so when I moved here, you know, obviously people don't know this, but 25% of Sweden's population has kind of foreign roots. So not just black, but like foreign roots. So it's a lot more diverse than people realize. And there are strong black communities in, you know, in Sweden, you know, from the Somali community to Eritrea and Gambia. And there are lots of strong, as well as Afro-Swedes. So people that are either born, you know, in Sweden, or maybe one parent is, is um, you know, African roots, but you don't get that image outside of Sweden, right? You know, people still meet that one-dimensional image. And I know mm -hmm. that because I'm a travel writer and I've written a lot about <laughs> Sweden and how, you know, what to do, how to experience and I'll keep writing. But I felt like I'm also a black woman here and I need to share a lot more balanced picture so people understand, yes, these are all the amazing things, but also I'm a black woman here yeah, and these are some of the challenges I face on a daily basis as well. blown my mind <laughs> you have blown my mind with this seeing cultures through stress yes it's not even a concept i ever would have like not even i couldn't even have reached it and be like oh maybe i could think about that yes. but seeing a culture through the lens of stress where did that come from you know i don't know and i think it's just it came from years of observation you know i mean Maybe I was an anthropologist in a different life. I don't know. But I, mm. I know I really do love uh, getting beneath cultures. In fact, I was just talking about it recently that one of the things I love about Nigeria is, first of all, over 250 different tribes speaking yes. over 500 unique languages. And we're all kind of in Lagos, mm -hmm. you know, living our lives, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of cultural melting pot mentality has always intrigued me you know mm -hmm. and so so it's just kind of years of observation based on my experience living in different places reading a bit but it's it's mostly from just feeling <laughs> you know I, yeah. I, I'm somebody that uh, I just I love being around people and trying to understand people and yeah. and uh, feeding off of their energy and really understanding what makes them Kind of, you know, bun. So, yeah. so yeah. How do you think, or how do you hope, your book, but also your work, has 
redefined or reshifted what the black experience might be in some small way what is yes. your maybe let's start with your hope maybe yeah no no i think i i hope it shows possibilities right that you know i'm somebody that has always I don't like the word hate, but I've hated boxes. I've hated predefined boxes of when we, when you say you're supposed to be or do or think or be or feel a certain way, you know, I've always felt like why aren't we allowed to just kind of exist and feel? And, and, you know, so for me, one of the things that I hope my work shows is one, just that we're a lot more connected then mm. we want to admit we most of us want the same things, which is to be fully seen for who we are, to feel like we have a purpose in life. And this is also why I'm not a fan of first impressions. I really am mm. not. Because I feel like first impressions force us to be one-dimensional so we can make that, quote-unquote, first impression when we are all very multi-dimensional kind of complex beings where you might meet me on a half day, maybe on a day when I'm not feeling good, and then you've already framed who I am as a person based on that one interaction. I'm not a first impressions person. I actually Mm. give people a lot of multiple chances to see different facets of the person before I can make a decision. And so I think I hope that's what my work will show is that to give each other more grace because we're a lot more complex yeah. So I hope that's what my work shows. I know it, it does. I mean, your book, what I, what first impression, my first impression of your book yes. <laughs> was actually, um, I was just so oh thankful to be reading a book about three women who were doing stuff and some of their life was heavy. Some yes. of their life was not. And it felt very realistic, but they were able to just be. That was also why I wrote the book is I wanted to give them space to make mistakes. Because as black women, we're not given enough space to make mistakes. We want to be able to be damsels in distress as well, if we want to be, right? But society doesn't give us that space. We always have to be seen as strong. And, you know, and I wanted to not only give them space to make mistakes, but I wanted them to stop surviving and actually look at thriving. Because... uh, Black women were always seen as always surviving and struggling. Mm-hmm. But once a black woman wants to just simply thrive, then she becomes almost like the most threatening thing in society. Yep. You know, I've been getting a lot of, uh, some of the feedback I've been getting, especially on the three characters is from non-black women is that they really connect with Muna and a story and a narrative, but mm-hmm. they find Kemi and Brittany annoying. What are they complaining about? Are they not Ooh. happy? And that told me a lot. Yes, yeah, Because sure did. if Kemi and Brittany were, were white, all, all books are written on just Kemi not finding a date if she was a white woman, right? Oh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, Bridget Jones. <laughs> exactly. And so that was quite telling is that when black women are trying to thrive, then it becomes, a, are you not satisfied? What more do you want? You know, because mm-hmm. society has said this is our lot or this is our space, or society doesn't want us to kind of fully self-actualize. Woo! Lola, <laughs> um, thank you so much for this lovely conversation. And um, I hope you'll come back in 2022 yes. to tell us what you're up to 
because yes. um, I know you're going to be doing some amazing amazing things thank you so much thank you thanks for having me Thank you so much for listening to this episode with the award-winning photographer and writer Lola Akimande Orkestrom. Her debut novel, In Every Mirror She's Black, came out in 2021 and was named as one of the top 10 best books by black authors by the British newspaper The Independent. You can follow her on Twitter at Lola Akinmade. That's L-O-L-A-A-K-I-N-M. A-D-E. And don't forget to like and subscribe the Deciphered podcast and spread the word about what we're doing. I'll be back with a new conversation in a month, but we will still be busy online amplifying and connecting global black creatives on the blog, which is at thecipher.blog and through our growing community on Instagram and Twitter. On both of those platforms, we're at thecipherblog. Follow us and tell us about your work. And you could even tell us who you'd love me to interview. I'd love to hear that. This episode of Deciphered was produced and hosted by me, Christabel Nsiapwadi. It was edited by Tess Goodwin. Thank you for joining us and I'll speak with you next time. Deciphered is a My Lens Media production.